Cause sometimes I be right. Hello. Welcome to the show. Yes, sir. <laughs> Listen, I'll be honest. I started off this week thinking I had nothing to talk about. I was actually racking my brain trying to figure out what am I going to talk about this week. I got nothing. And then it's like the sports gods just shined a light on me and gave me a whole heap of stuff to talk about. So I got a lot to talk about today. That's right. Welcome back, Cyber Family. How you been? How was your week? If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. Hope you enjoy the show. This is Sometimes I Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! It's going to be one of those types of shows, y'all. I got a lot to talk about. So I'm not even going to beat around the bush. Let's get right into it. Let's get into some quick hits. Quick hits! Listen, man, I'm going to start off with this. The baseball, the MLB season is, they're, they're in a lockout right now, okay? There's there's no timetable on when they're coming back. They're at a stalemate. They're arguing over what, but eh, it doesn't matter. What's important is this. Listen, baseball needs to understand that their problem, right, and the issue that they have is they keep shooting themselves in the foot. Right? right after football ends, the hype of the Super Bowl, everyone's all juiced up in jazz and looking for something. The NBA then has their all-star game like almost right after. right? And then baseball can follow up with opening day and you fall right into your lane. The problem is baseball hasn't decided if they want to be a niche sport like golf has. Golf has decided, look, either you like golf or you don't. We're going to cater to golf fans. right? So if you're a casual this ain't for you, right? This is what we are. Tennis is the same way. We're not trying to have crossover stars. This is tennis. Either you like it or you don't. We accept our space. And to some degree, hockey's doing the same thing. We accept our space. We're not trying to compete with the NBA and the NFL and be America's top sport. We understand where we fit in, and we're trying to excel in our space, right? Baseball keeps trying to posture as if they're Still America's pastime, still like this beloved thing that everyone just wants to be a part of, and they don't. And here's the reason why. We're growing up in an, in an era, and these kids are growing up in a generation where there's a sense of urgency. Why? Because everything has a time limit. The NFL works for no, for the main reason the NFL works and captures your attention is because, number one, there's a play clock. Number two, there's a game clock. So there's, st- there's a sense of urgency. You only have X amount of time to execute. That causes everyone to be way more focused, way more locked in. Like you know exactly what you're getting into with the NFL. It's 15-minute quarters. Here's the timeouts. Here's how long a timeout is. Here's when they call timeouts. Like everything is like you understand 40-second play clock. The NBA is the same thing. You got the shot clock. You got the game. 12-minute quarters, four quarters. That's it. Baseball, how long is the game? Uh, it's nine innings. Well, how long is an inning? Well, each team gets three outs. Well, like it, it, that, an inning could be two hours long or an inning could be five minutes. So there's no play clock. There's no sense of urgency. It's a very leisure, like take your time. And they're trying to do things to speed it up. But the problem is then you get your traditional fans who 
don't really like that because this is baseball. That's not what we do. And then you get the new fans coming in. But if you stick to what the old fans like, then the new fans, you don't really attract them because you're like, they're like, nah, this is boring. Pick a side, pick a lane. And you know what you don't do? You don't have lockouts. Right? When you're trying to appeal to your base or you're trying to uh, like carve out your space, Right. And the MLB is very profitable. Like, I love watching baseball. I actually, I stopped watching baseball for a few years. <laughs> and then last year, I got back into it. Right. And I started watching it again. And how did I get into it? Oddly enough, T Mobile was offering MLB package for free. If you're, a, you know, if you have service through T Mobile, I happen to have T Mobile service. So you just sign up and you got to watch all the baseball games for free. And if you have a smart TV, you can get the MLB app on your TV and watch the games on TV. And that's what I did. Right? And so that got me right back into it because I was able to watch teams like the Padres who have a lot of players that I like. And I didn't have to wait until they were in the New York market in order to be able to watch them. I could watch them every night. And so it was cool. Like I'd take a shower, go lay down, bow, throw in the Padres at 10 o'clock, watch a couple innings, fall asleep, wake up, check the score, see what they did. You know what I mean? So that got me back in. And then the very next year, you're going to have a lockout. And you're arguing over what? Don't listen. Baseball, figure out what you want to be. And then fight like hell to get that. Stop riding the fence. Okay? It's not working. You're aggravating your loyalists. You're aggravating potential new fans. People are losing interest. The NFL Combine is drawing more interest than opening day for baseball. Sorry. Accept your spot. You're number three. That's a good spot to be in. You're tied number three with hockey. It's football, basketball, hockey. Then baseball. But you guys like neck and neck. One good season from baseball, they now take the third spot. Yeah, but whatever. It's just frustrating. I hate hate that they're doing this stupid stuff. In boxing news, uh, Canelo Alvarez has announced his next fight on May 7th. He's going to be fighting Dimitri Bivol, 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 I say it both ways, I'm sorry, I apologize if I'm mis, listen, somebody's cursing me out right now, saying that I'm an idiot, (laughs) I know who this guy is, look, light heavyweight champ, I've been saying for a long time, that Canelo keeps messing around, and taking on these challenges, and at some point, he's gonna take on a challenge that's a little too much, right, because you keep fighting these big dudes, these dudes that fight at 175. Not guys that moved up, but guys that like live, eat, breathe, exist at 175. That's their weight class. Remember, Canelo's still moving up, right? Canelo didn't start at 160 and move up to 168 and then 175. No, he started lower than that, okay? So you're, so Bivol is skilled, number one, and number two, Strong. And number three, naturally bigger. Okay? Not a pushover. You got to give Canelo credit for taking this fight. Now, I know some people are going to claim that he ducked Charlo again. I don't think that's the case. There's going to be people that claim that he's ducking Benavidez. I don't think that's the case either. Again, I think this guy has a belt. This is a real big challenge. And this is something that, if you're a boxing fan, this is the first time... 
in years that you could say Canelo has a legit chance of losing a fight. Like, there's a route you could see. With Triple G, you're still like, he could lose, but yeah, is Triple G skilled as a boxer or is he just the boogeyman that has power? If Canelo could survive the power or take the punches, he'd be able to win that fight. That's kind of the standard belief. In this fight, Bivol doesn't have to knock him out to win the fight because he's a skilled boxer, right? Over 300 fights as an amateur, right? Or high 200s at the very least as an amateur before he went pro. So don't let the record fool you. Now, I would still favor Canelo, but barely. Only because I think at some point, moving up in weight, taking on this bigger guy who's skilled, strong, same age as you, relatively young in the sport in terms of he doesn't have 70. He's not 70 fights in. He's only, I believe, 19. But like, at some point, you're going to go up against somebody that possesses something that poses a difficulty for you. And in boxing, it's it's judges. And a judge might see that guy edging you out in a couple more rounds, and then you lose the fight. Now, I get it. Canelo's the cash cow, so people think if it goes to a decision, he's going to get it. I don't personally. Because I think if there was ever a guy that could lose a fight and not lose any marketability, it's definitely Canelo. Canelo's not uh, a marketable fighter based on the fact that he's invincible. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's going to have that fan base. Even if he loses this fight, he still has the fan base. So that's something to look out for. Also, Canelo gets a lot of grief for fighting these guys and picking these guys and saying, oh, he's cherry picking, he's picking that guy. He picked uh, Caleb Plant because he knew Caleb Plant wasn't really as good. He was overhyped. Then why is nobody else doing it? Right? Why isn't Charlo finding the guy at 160? Who, who has a belt? Go fight him. Why doesn't Charlo move up to 175 to fight, you know, a, a cupcake? You know what I mean? Why didn't he move up to fight the crusher? You know, why didn't he fight Kovalev for that for that belt, for that title, if that was like such a simple move? You know what I'm saying? You got to give Canelo credit because... Whoever he's fighting, regardless of how good you think they are, he's fighting for belts. Right? So they're like you could kind of see I can either stay at 168 and fight Charlo, who's moving up, and I whatever, or I can move up to 175 and take on this real challenge and get that belt. And you know what I mean? Like it just it just feels like if the money is relatively the same. Canelo seems like he's more driven by challenges at this point because he's had so many fights that the whole status of what everybody else thinks is like, I'm not worried about that. I think he's trying to actually make history and and take fights and win fights that you would have to respect and say that he's fighting top opposition. But whatever. James Harden's off to a hot start in Philly. It's got the sports world in in a frenzy saying is... Is, is Philadelphia the, the new favorite to come out of the East? Ooh, I love it. I love it. I was wrong. Harden is just a perfect fit with Embiid, and, and I can't believe that I was wrong about that situation. But after two games, man, it's, it's obvious, like, it's going to work. It's going to work. I'm, just, I'm completely kidding, okay? Don't be an idiot, all right? Don't be stupid. Harden, in everywhere he's gone, has been successful right off the bat, right off the rip. That's what he does. 
He goes to a new place. He's all excited. He's happy. Woo, ready to go. And then after he's there for a couple months or something happens where he realizes, ah, and the honeymoon's over, he goes right back into his pouty, I'ma go get mines, screw y'all, and then you have problems. Like everyone says, oh, he, he's, he's at a place that he wants to be. Yeah, he wanted to go to Brooklyn. That was one of the places he named. He wanted to be there. He was all excited to be there. Started off hot. He wanted to go to Houston. Like, he was happy to be there. He was now the, the, the leader of the team. Don't fall for the, the stupid, it started off well. Uh, look how good they look together. Yeah, because neither one of them are, are they're not in a position where, who's the guy? When that question gets asked, who's the guy? Late in the game, we need some buckets. I don't think either one of them want to pass it off to the other. And if they do, then that's just going to be playing a game of hot potato. And that doesn't work either. One guy has to establish himself as, listen, when we need buckets, that's me. And and I, I harden for me. How many times do you need to see it? How many times do you need to see it before you just, as Mike Tyson would say, accept people to be who they are? Expect them to be who they are. Don't expect big things or high low things. Expect people to be exactly what they are. He's shown you what he is. Tremendous score. Tremendous offensive player. Not really going to play much defense. When he wants to lock in from time to time, he can on defense and make some good stops and play some good solid D. He's not going to do it for a whole game. And he's damn sure not doing it for a whole series. And offensively, he's shown you. In the playoffs, that he'll have lapses and moments where he just doesn't have it. Now, you could blame the supporting cast if you want to, but it's funny to me that you can get in the top three seed in the conference and then you get to the champ or you get to the playoffs and all of a sudden the team is trash. Oh, yeah, but playoffs are different. Yeah, for, for you too. Like, yeah, the playoffs is a different level of pressure, and maybe the team that was playing well and free in the regular season, when it's time to turn it on and everybody turns it up, your supporting cast can't match that? Sure, maybe. But you got to match that, too. And if you're not matching it, they can't take the blame for what you're not doing. Harden's been an ISO player. In the playoffs, you go ISO. You ain't getting it done, homeboy. So y'all fall for it if you want to. I'm not. Sticking with basketball, listen, can anybody tell me what's going on with Zion? Look, John Morant right now is going crazy. And when I say right now, I don't mean as in, well, right now it's going crazy, but later if it tones down, then I'm not doing that stupid sports cast. I'm saying right now as in literally as I'm speaking to you, he's in the process of one of those crazy little moments of dunking on people, doing crazy athletic things. And I said before that draft, I'm taking John Morant over Zion every day of the week. Zion's one of those players I don't understand what everybody sees. I really don't. Like, I don't get it. I, I, I thought that he was one of those guys who's just so athletically gifted for his size that you kept saying, ooh, at his size, he shouldn't be able to move that way. And I kept saying, bro, he can't shoot, number one. He's just an athlete, but put him in the NBA where he's going up against other athletes. Is he going to be as exceptional as an athlete? Well, he proved he would. But the other problem you had was he got hurt in college. He comes to the pros. There were concerns about his health and can he hold up. 
and he hasn't. And John Morant, in the meantime, is just as much of an athletic freak with skills, but he's available. And he's got the right attitude. And the guys love him. New Orleans, you made a mistake. You made a mistake straight up. Bad pick. Get Zion out of here. Stop talking to me about talent. Stop talking to me about how physically gifted somebody is. Who's the better basketball player? And you're not going to sit there and tell me that John Morant isn't a better basketball player than Zion. Because if Zion was the same size as John Morant, he would be trash. He would just be a super athletic guy who had no other skills. But because he's so big, he doesn't need to have the same skill level. He can kind of get away with just being far superior athletically. Because if a big man's guarding him, which you need a big man to guard him because he's so big, he's way quicker and more athletic than that big man. But is he ever going to play? Or is he just going to be consistently injured and be one of those guys like, well, if he didn't get hurt, but he did. Stop talk- When you go into these drafts, stop talking to me about how gifted somebody is. It's the same thing with Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons was 6'3", he'd be boo-boo. You would not be talking about his potential. There would not be this big hoopla about all the things that he's capable of doing. He would be a boo-boo point guard. And you would say, he, can, he would be Rondo. Now, I'm not saying Rondo's boo-boo. That's a bad example. <laughs> I'm not saying Rondo's boo-boo because I do like Rondo. But what I am saying is, what I am saying, I guess, is that, like, I'm done with that whole, for his size, he's doing X, Y, that don't matter no more. Anthony Davis is another one. For his size, to be able to handle the ball the way he does at that size, yeah, but he's always hurt. So what good does that do? What can he do for you? Speaking of that, the Lakers are garbage, right? They're bad. They're a bad team. And I saw something the other night that really bothered me, and that was uh, they were playing the Pelicans, and they were down by like 20. And there was like five or six minutes left in the game. And LeBron was still out there. And I thought to myself, wait a second. You're down by 20. Uh, Clearly, you're not, it's not going well for you. It's not a good night. The chances of you coming back from 20 points down with six minutes in the game, it's not going to happen. LeBron, right before the All-Star break, was dealing with a sore knee. Right? So much so that there was questions of how much should he actually play in the All-Star game or should he just completely rest the knee? So I'm thinking, why are, you, why are you keeping him in the game? And then I realized, oh wait, stat padding. He's padding the stats. Because LeBron, contrary to what anybody might believe, understands that he's not going to catch Jordan in terms of number of championships. So what he has to do is have all of the statistical categories supersede Jordan so he can say, look at my numbers. Even though I think if you cut it off, because what Jordan played, 13 seasons? I think if you cut LeBron at 13, like... He doesn't, his numbers won't be like, oh yeah, he's hands down better than Jordan. I feel like all his career numbers have to be an asterisk next to it that says this is in 21 years of playing as opposed to Jordan who did what he did in 13. 
So if you think about it, Jordan has six chips in 13 years. Bro, that's crazy. <laughs> like, that's, a, that's, that's Brady-level numbers. Like, Brady has seven in, what, 21, 22? So it's like literally like every other year you're you're getting the chip. Now, I know Jordan got his in two, three-peats, right? But, like, it's still nuts to think that LeBron is going to get all of these. He's going to have the most points ever. He's going to be have, like, 10,000 rebounds, 10,000. He's going to have crazy numbers. But when you think about, like, oh, you've done that over an extended period of time. Now, that's a credit to your durability. And I think we should always highlight that. His mental fortitude, his ability to, like, stay focused on that task, which is just playing basketball and being and excelling in that sport. Like, that's unbelievable. To take care of your body that way is unbelievable. To have that level of commitment is unbelievable. That's what I will always give him credit for. But the numbers, shut that down after 13. And then see what it looks like. And then you could compare him to a player that's only played 13 years. But that's like saying, hey, uh, I ran a mile in six minutes. And then someone's saying, yeah, but I ran a half mile in two. So mine was better than yours. It's like, you didn't run as far as me, though. That's a bad analogy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize for that, uh, that, 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 that stupid, I don't even know what I was thinking. Listen, sometimes I'd be idiot, y'all know that. And it's late when I'm recording this, and I, I feel like I've been talking in hyperspeed. My apologies on that too, but listen, let's slow it down because listen, I might be crazy. I feel like I might be crazy. This entire episode is based around the idea that I feel like I must be the one that's crazy. And as we get into it, like, you'll start to understand what I mean when I say, like, I might be crazy. Because I feel like sports, everything's right in front of you, but people act like they don't notice. They don't notice certain things. They don't notice certain contradictions they make. They don't notice how they double speak. They don't notice how they play favorites or they say, this guy over here. It's this, it's this thing, and then when someone else is in the same situation, they say, oh, no, it's something different. The reason why it's different. And it's like, well, it can't be. They're in the same situation. Why does one guy get a pass and the other doesn't? Let's get into some NFL talk. So I, I've, I've heard or I've read, you know, it happens every year. At the NFL Combine, you have certain guys that decide, oh, I'm not going to participate in drills at the Combine. I personally hate this. I hate when guys do that. I think if I'm a team, I'm going to say, like, yo, you. if I'm the league, if I'm teams, I would ask the league if they can make it mandatory. If you show up to the combine, you have to participate in the drills or else don't come. And I understand from the player's perspective, some of them don't want to do it because, like, if you're a quarterback, you're throwing to receivers you've never thrown to. So you're trying to look impressive, but you're throwing the guys so you don't know how fast they are. You might overthrow them. You might underthrow them. They might drop passes, make you look bad. If you're a receiver, it's the same thing. I'm catching passes from a guy I've never caught passes from. He might be garbage. He might be throwing it all over the place. Now I can't catch it. I look like I'm bad, but it's not my fault. Right? I get it. So you would rather have your pro day where you're throwing with your guys and everything's scripted and the environment is great. Like, you know what's going on. Like, you're ready to go. You can prep for it. But as a team, I would say, well, no, I want you in that uncomfortable situation. I want you throwing to guys that you've never thrown to before. I want to see how you handle that adversity and that discomfort. 
Because when you come to the NFL, it's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to be comfortable. So I need to know how you deal with that. And do you get overly frustrated and start like yelling at people? Or do you get like the guys together off on the side and say, yo, let's throw a couple real quick or say, how do you like it? You like it high, low, where you, like, you know what I mean? Do you try to figure it out and make it work? To, can you adjust quickly to the receivers you have out there? Because in a game, you might have a certain guy that you're throwing it to and all of a sudden you got some injuries, you got some young dude in there, you don't know where he's going to be. But you got to get on the same page quick. You got to adjust quickly and make those on the fly, especially if you're a quarterback. If you're a receiver, I want you the same way. Can you? How do you handle that if the quarterback's not delivering it to you exactly where you like it? If you have to put in a little extra effort to get it, are you going to start yelling and throwing stuff and getting frustrated or are you going to handle it like a pro? I need to know that if I'm a team looking to draft a player. So I understand they got to wake up like crazy early and then they got to be up crazy late doing interviews, doing all this other stuff. And it's not really the best environment to say, all right, now go do these drills on the field. And there's a lot of pressure and you just rather have it at your pro day where you're kind of in control and everything's set up nice for you. And it's set up to make you look good as a team. I don't want that. Step up to the plate and handle the pressure. And I credit the guys who do. I'm not mad at the ones who don't. Because, again, it is a business decision. And I understand as a player, you got to do what's best for you. And what's best for you was probably waiting for your pro day. But I also understand that the teams. So I'm, I always look at it as a GM because I'm 35 years old and I'm not ever going to make it to the NFL. I have a way better chance of being a GM. <laughs> so as I'm looking at these 20-year-old dudes coming out, I'm looking at like, from the ownership perspective. And if I was a GM, I'd want to see that and I'd be very disappointed. And I'm not saying I would take you off my draft board. I'm not saying I would judge you and hold it against you. But I would probably let you know that, hey, man, you should probably do this and then go to your pro day. Because if you have a bad combine, you now have the pro day to make up for it. And you can say, all right, he looked a little shaky at the combine. Let's see what he does at his pro day when it's more in his comfort zone. And that happens sometimes. So I just think, just that's just a side thought that I, I felt that way about it. Reports also came out this week that Aaron Rodgers is seeking who he wants to be the highest paid player in the NFL by a wide margin. The number of fifty million dollars was thrown out there. Now, of course, Aaron Rodgers denied it, said that that's not true. I hope it's not true, because if it is, whew, talk about no cap space. That team is going to be trash. And you're going to be boo-boo. Now, I've been saying since before the season started, I don't understand why the Packers refuse to deal or to... Why do they refuse to have the conversation or thought about life without Aaron Rodgers? Again, I'm going to tell you, 16 seasons, one time you've been to the Super Bowl. That's it. What are you holding on to? What are you afraid of? What is Jordan Love going to do? As your starting quarterback for a year, that's going to be like so bad that you'd rather have Aaron Rodgers be your quarterback, get the number one seed, and then lose in the championship in the NFC championship. Tell me what Jordan Love is going to do. That's like that you you you'd rather have that. And now, if you're going to pay him, make him the highest paid player for what? Like, yo, play with this contract that we gave you, or we'll trade you. What you're going to get back right now today for Aaron Rodgers 
is going to be way better for your franchise in the long term than you getting to the NFC Championship game and losing again. Look, I just finished saying about Harden. How how many times do you need to see it before you just accept that this is what it is? How many times do you need to see the Packers look really good in the regular season, get to the postseason, and it just don't look the same? Before you just acknowledge either A, your team's not good enough to win a championship, or B, Aaron Rodgers is not really great in the playoffs. Like, one of the two is, the, maybe it's a little bit of both. I think it's probably a little bit of both. The team's probably really not as, they're not good enough to get there. But then you also have the quarterback who's not who's clearly not playing as well. Some of that might have to do with the weather and the playoffs. You're dealing with snow, wind, all that other stuff, and it's not the same. But some of that just has to be, look, I just, he might just be one of those guys, man. He just got on a run in 2009, got to the Super Bowl, won it, and that was it. I wouldn't be bending over backwards to keep Aaron Rodgers at this point because he's already close to the end. Even uh, even if you want to say he's got three MVP caliber years left. Does anyone sitting here right now think that the Packers can win a Super Bowl in the next three years? And if you say yes, are you only saying yes because Aaron Rodgers? Because I've seen him for 16 years and he only won one. And he hasn't won one since 2009 and it is now... 2022 so what do i think is like the team is in cap hell they're gonna have to make a ton of like ton of moves they're not gonna be able to bring in any high quality talent because they don't have no money and you're now gonna try to restructure his deal to make him the highest paid player like priorities people so what are they gonna have how are they gonna improve this team that lost in the playoffs this year to get over the hump I'm at a loss. I don't get it. Let him go. Rip the bandit off. Move forward. Let's let's go. Let's move into the future now. Like I said, worst case scenario, you stink, you get a top three pick. Hello? <laughs> Not to mention what you're going to get back. You know what I mean? They might give up Pat Sertain. You know what I'm saying? Now you got a top-notch corner in his second year. Top ten pick, second year. And you're getting two first-round picks, maybe three, maybe four. Who knows what Denver would be willing to give you. But you're going to get a really nice package in return, and you need to do it. And with that, what I will say, I did a fun little exercise today. Because I was looking up like some mock drafts, and I was seeing that Kenny Pickett is like the favorite to be like the first quarterback taken. And I saw him mocked as high as number 11 to the Washington Commanders. Right? And I thought to myself, Kenny Pickett, what? And I started thinking to myself that I understand the idea that if you need a quarterback and in this draft, you just have to draft one. I kept thinking to myself, but if there's no good quarterbacks, why do I have to take one? Can I just ride it out with what I got? So what I'm going to do for next week is I'm going to look at the starting or the projected starting quarterback. Project, oh, sorry. The, the quarterback on every roster, the starting quarterback going into next season, is seeing who needs to really make a change and who doesn't. 
Because I keep hearing like, ah, oh, he's not a franchise quarterback. Where there's only about four or five that you could comfortably say, nah, that guy, that's the guy. And the rest of the league is kind of like, nah, they're pretty good. Like, where do you put Deshaun Watson? Is he like that guy? Is he a Mahomes where you're like, that's that's a guy? Is he a Herbert? That's a guy. Is he a Burrow? That's the guy. Is he an Aaron Rodgers? That's the guy. Like, Or is he like right in that tier where it's like, yeah, he's kind of like Lamar Jackson. Like, he's he's good. He's really good. He's really good. But I don't know. Like, if you had Deshaun Watson and they wanted to swap you for Joe Burrow, would you not swap? That's what I mean. Like, if I'm Cincinnati, I'm not swapping Joe Burrow for anybody. Maybe Justin Herbert, because <laughs> that's number one in the league. I can't wait till next season when I go, we could bring that back up. I'm gonna have my QB rankings. My my top my top quarterback rankings will be the start of next season. I promise you, I'm gonna start with that. But anyway, back to Mr. Kenny Pickett. Now, listen again. I I like Kenny Pickett in terms of like a competitor, in terms of a guy who kind of like a Colt McCoy, right? That's exactly how I see him. A guy who's going to be a great backup because if you put him in there for one, two, or maybe three games, he's going to do just enough. He can he can get the, he can hold it down for you. But if you make him be your guy day in, day out, not going to work. So what I did, my fun little exercise I did was I started saying, hmm, is Kenny Pickett projected to be drafted first because he's good? Or is it just because this QB class is really trash? So what I did was I went back, all the way back to 2017 and started checking out. That's my papers. A little foliage. <laughs> and, I, and I started jotting down the top quarterbacks in each draft from last year in 2020, 2019, 2018, and 2017 to see where would he fit in. Right? Where would he rank? Um, is he just benefiting from the idea that like somebody's got some quarterbacks got to get drafted and he's the best of the bunch? Then say that. So what I so just just so I'm not crazy, let's go to 2017. So basically, what I did was I went down the list and I figured out how many quarterbacks would I put above him. So in 2017, I would have three quarterbacks above him. So he would be my fourth ranked quarterback in 2017. I would have Patrick Mahomes above him, Deshaun Watson above him, and I'd put Mitch Trubisky above him. Yeah, I know. I know. I even, you know what? I'll even say, listen, you might look at it and say, Mitchell Trubisky, you're coming out of college? Definitely think he was a better player coming out of college than Kenny Pickett. But let's say you don't. So he was the third rated quarterback then. He would be third in 2017. The same player coming out in 2017 who's picked, who's, almost universally looked at as the first quarterback coming off the board would have been the fourth or third or fourth quarterback coming off the board in 2017. Let's move to 2018. You had Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, all who I'd put over Kenny Pickett. So I would have him sixth in the class of 2018. He would have been the number six quarterback taken, in my opinion. Because as much as I don't like Baker Mayfield, there was no doubt coming out of college, Baker Mayfield was a better player than Kenny Pickett in any category, any way you want to look at it. Sam Darnold coming out of college, you would have rated him higher. He had way way more upside than Kenny Pickett did. Josh Allen, do I have to say any more? 
Even Josh Rosen, say what you want about Josh Rosen not working out. The, the knock on him was never his ability. It was always ah, in his head, is he really into football? Is he really committed? Blah, blah, blah. Is there other stuff he wants to do? It, you know, whatever. And then Lamar Jackson, come on, man. So he would be number six. So maybe you want to argue you put him over Josh Rosen. Okay, then he's the fifth rated in 2018. In 2019, I would put Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke above him. Now, we're not. it's easy for you to look at Drew Locke and Dwayne Haskins now and see what they've done in the league and say, yo, no, nah, no way. But what I'm saying is coming out of college, he doesn't throw better than either one of those dudes. And on the pro day, he's not going to throw better than either one of those dudes. And he doesn't have the physical size that either one of those dudes has. Like he wouldn't have rated higher than those two guys in 2019. So he would have been third. Best case scenario, he's third. And there's other guys in that class that I didn't, I wouldn't even mention. But he might have been rated lower than them. 2020... I have Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Tua Tungavaloa, Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, Jalen Hurts, and Anthony Gordon. All I would rate above him. Now listen, Anthony Gordon, I love. Coming out of Washington State, love that dude. He was like my one of my top guys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes it don't work out. I still think he's good. I just think, you know, he wasn't giving a shot. So in this class, obviously you're putting Joe Burrow above him. You're putting Justin Herbert above him. You're putting Tonga Valoa above him. I think you would put um, Jordan Love above him, too, if you're just talking about raw talent coming out of college. There's a reason why Green Bay decided to take him. Now, I don't know if you remember, but in that draft class, like, he was, like, considered, like, it was a, it was a debate. He was up there in the top four, for sure. And there was questions over if you would take him over some other guy. Yeah. I think coming out of college, if you look at accomplishments, I think he matches up very well with Jake Fromm in terms of ability. Like, Jake Fromm was one of those guys you looked at, like, he's not really physically gifted, but he's kind of a winner. And then Jalen Hurts, I think you would have rated higher, especially coming off of that last season in Oklahoma where he was lighting it up. I think that would you'd probably give his skill set a little higher. So you would have him at at best-case scenario fourth. I'm having him at fifth best-case scenario. And then last year, is he? Gonna, you have Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, and Davis Mills. Now, the only person I would put him ahead of is Kyle Trask. But Davis Mills out of Stanford, I loved him. He was the guy that I always thought that the Cowboys should have picked up in like the fourth round. Now, I think he got drafted before he could get there, but he was always a guy in mock drafts that I was like, yo, the Cowboys should definitely try to steal him. Now, they weren't able to do it because he got drafted a lot higher than that, but He's really good, and he did good with the Texans. And I think they're smart for saying that they're going to move forward with Davis Mills. I think that's a good choice. I think he's a really good quarterback. He was five-star quarterback coming out of high school, went to Stanford, played well at Stanford, right? Just a real solid, smart guy. Like, that's that's he's going to be steady. But you're not putting Pickett above Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones. So that's five. He's number six last year. So again, so my point, my point to all of this is, Kenny Pickett is going to get drafted high, and it's only because his draft class sucks. This quarterback class is garbage. In comparison, I just listed. I went back to 2017, and he wouldn't be any higher than the third best quarterback coming out, and he's going to be the first guy off the board. The first quarterback drafted is going to be that guy who wouldn't be higher than third in any draft going back to 2017? 
I don't I don't understand it. I I just don't understand it. You're gonna have something like that happen, but Jared Goff's gotta get trashed. <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing it back to Jared Goff because Jared Goff is better than Kenny Pickett. He was better than Kenny Pickett coming out of college. He was better than Kenny Pickett coming out of high school. He's better than Kenny Pickett right now. But Washington would rather spend their first round pick drafting Kenny Pickett than trading that first round pick to get Jared Goff in town. This is what I'm talking about, about the NFL not making sense. Like, it, am I crazy or is the answer right in front of you and you just keep ignoring it? Do you understand what I'm saying? For me, that's part of it, man. That's part of it. That's something that I just, I don't understand that. I really, really don't. Dra- Listen, draft him if you want to. I don't, think, I don't think any one of these quarterbacks is worthy of a first round pick. I don't. I just think that the talent level at so many other positions, your team, you're, you're going to get a better pick picking somebody else. If you're picking at 11, you probably have your choice of one of the top three cornerbacks in the draft. Right? Take a corner. Take a top flight corner. You're going to have pick wide receivers, linebackers. Like, pick an impact player. Don't waste a, a pick on one of these quarterbacks that wouldn't have been picked in the first three, four rounds last year. Don't reach because you have this idea that, oh, quarterback is so important. Because, again, let me let me also break this down to you, and this is why I feel like I'm crazy because I, I see this all the time and I don't get it. Okay, I'm going to use the example of Russell Wilson. Okay? And here's, follow me, here's what drives me crazy. Russell Wilson gets drafted and goes to Seattle. At the time, Seattle has beast mode running the ball. Boom, boom, boom. You got a great running game. Offensive line, stacked, good to go. Defense, elite. He goes there. They win a Super Bowl. They get to a second Super Bowl. They're winning 10, 11, 12 games consistently. He's looked at as, oh, he's an elite quarterback. He's top. Let him eat. Let him eat. Let Russ eat. Then guys get expensive. So they start making those moves on the defense to save some money because we don't have no money. We got to pay Russell Wilson, so we don't have no money, so we got to let guys go. All of a sudden, the team around Russell Wilson gets a little bad. They get a little worse. Now, all of a sudden, Russell Wilson is not winning all those games anymore. Now, the team's not having that success anymore. And now the conversation shifts to, you got to put a better supporting cast around him. Am I crazy or is it odd to anyone else that when the team around Russell Wilson is great and they win, he's considered great for winning? When the team around him is no good and they're not winning, he's still considered great. But the rest of the team just thinks and he needs a better supporting cast. Then if you give him that supporting cast and they win games again, the supporting cast isn't given the credit. All right, maybe, maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe you missed it. I'm going to ask you a simple question, okay? I'm going to ask you a question, and I just want you to think about this for a second and then answer. What did Matthew Stafford do different with the Rams this year than he had been doing his entire career 
in Detroit. That's right. Nothing. Matthew Stafford has been putting up numbers from the moment he came into the league, correct? He had a good completion percentage forever, right? Correct. He threw for 4,000, 5,000 yards before, right? Correct. He's thrown for a bunch of touchdowns, correct? Correct. He's had game-winning drives, right? He's had comeback wins, right? So what was different? Oh, pick me, I know. The team around him was better. So they were able to win a championship. Why does Matthew Stafford get the credit for being like, he's great. Look what he can do. Or was it the same guy who had a better team? Therefore, you got a better chance of winning. So maybe, just maybe, it's not all the quarterback. Because what do we all think? If Joe Burrow had a competent offensive line that protected him at all, that team's way better. Joe Burrow doesn't have to play any better. If you get him a better offensive line that can protect him, the team will be better. Why? Because you need everybody. A great quarterback on a trash team isn't winning. Stop giving the quarterback all of the credit when they win and blaming everybody else when they lose because you like the quarterback. You like the guy. Everyone, I sat here and listened to people trash Matthew Stafford for years, say that he was overrated, say that he couldn't get the job done. All of a sudden, he goes to a great team, they're winning games, and all of a sudden, look, Matthew Stafford just needed a, he just needed a change of scenery. No, he needed better players around him, because you need a team. Because what do you say? Hey, say it with me. What's the cliche? Football is the ultimate team sport. Because you need all the guys working together for a common goal on the same page to get the job done. Isn't that what you say? So why am I existing at a time where the quarterback wants to be paid $50 million? And everybody else has to take pennies. Why am I sitting here the fan of a team that's paying their quarterback $40 million a year and then I'm being told he needs better supporting cast? Well, you can't afford it because you got a salary cap, bozo. And I'm paying this guy, who's not great, a bunch of money because, hey, you got to pay the quarterback or do I? (laughs) I? Am I crazy? You have countless examples. You need... look. I say this all started because the Giants have the number five and number seven pick. Now, and everyone keeps talking about Daniel Jones isn't this. Daniel Jones isn't the guy. You got to go get you a quarterback. You got to get a quarterback. You got to make a move. And I'm sitting there thinking, hold on. We say constantly the offensive line for the Giants is garbage. The defense is bad. Saquon Barkley can't stay healthy. And we're going to say that Daniel Jones is the problem? Are we going to acknowledge that maybe if Daniel Jones had a true number one receiver and a solid offensive line and Saquon Barkley could stay healthy, maybe he would look better? Has anyone considered that as an option? Because we give Russell Wilson a pass if he looks bad because his team sucks. We give Aaron Rodgers a pass if the team doesn't win and he looks bad because, hey, the supporting cast is terrible. It's Green Bay. You can't get anyone to go there. Matthew Stafford gets a pass for his entire career because he was playing in Detroit. 
Dak Prescott can get a pass because, hey, Amari Cooper didn't show up and C.D. Lamb didn't show up and all of this and blah, 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 whatever else you, excuses you want to give for guys you like. Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl two years ago against the 49ers got a pass for playing like trash because his offensive line was bad. Even to some degree, Joe Burrow can get a pass for this Super Bowl because his offensive line is really bad too. But Daniel Jones, you're going to sit there and tell me that he's not like I'm I'm telling you right now Daniel Jones is every bit as good as Baker Mayfield. Now, I think Baker Mayfield is kind of booty. I think Daniel Jones is actually a really solid quarterback. I think Daniel Jones is the perfect straight line. Nothing has changed from Eli Manning. No better, no worse, right there along the same lines as Eli Manning. A guy that's really solid, and if you put the right supporting pieces around him and you put him in the right situation, he's going to be successful for you. Now, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to make these unbelievable plays and all that other stuff, but he's going to win games if you protect him and you give him weapons. So with the number five and number seven pick, I'm drafting the two best offensive linemen available. What else do you need? We all acknowledge, right? We're all on the same page. The Giants offensive line is bad. It's been bad forever. Well, you got plenty of tackles, guards, and you got a top line center. Give me Linderbaum from Iowa at number five and give me the next best offensive lineman available. If that happens to be a tackle, that's a guard. Whoever's graded the highest, that's what I'm taking at five and seven. Why? Because I have a quarterback. I have a running back, a receiver I can get late in the draft. I don't need to draft him in the top 10. I can get one in the, in the early second round. There's a million receivers. I can get a whole new receiving core on offensive line. I can get defensive players later, too. I can get a linebacker. I can get a D lineman. I can get corners. I can get all that. What I'm doing at 5-7 and seven is I'm addressing the most important problem that I have on my squad is I need to protect my quarterback and I need to have a way for my running back who I drafted in the top five to be able to make plays and hopefully stay healthy. Or trade Saquon for an early second round pick and take another player. That, I, that's what I would do. I'm, I'm trading Saquon Barkley for a second-round pick, and I'm taking the top two offensive linemen at 5-7, and seven, and then with my second-round pick, I'm taking a receiver, and then with my other second-round pick I got for Barkley, I'm taking another offensive lineman. <laughs> Just address it. The NFL is constantly trying to do these stupid things like, oh, you have 5-7, and seven. you can get a lineman, and then you can go get a defensive lineman. It's like offensive line is your biggest problem. You have two top 10 picks. That's two top 10 linemen. That's two of the best linemen in the draft. Take them. You can get a good player elsewhere. You have the potential to get two great offensive linemen. Would you rather have a great offensive lineman and a potential bust somewhere else? Or would you rather just have two elite linemen and have your line solidified? Because you only need, if you get two dramatically changes your offensive line like um like travis frederick for the cowboys center who recently retired he's not there anymore i mean if you're not a cowboys fan i'm, I'm just letting you know when they drafted him out of wisconsin totally changed everything you got zach martin totally changed everything even when they got um like just ugh, I'm, I'm i'm getting i'm just getting frustrated because i feel like again another situation where i would say it's right in front of you, and you're ignoring it, and you're ignoring the opportunity you have to say, let's address it, and if it doesn't work, then yo, that, that just didn't work. 
but we're trying to solve the problem instead of saying, let's, you know, it's like, ha- it's, it's like owing a friend, right? You owe two friends. One of your friends, you owe 20 bucks. Another friend, you owe 20 bucks. You only have 20 bucks. It's like saying, I'm going to give each friend $10. Well, now I still owe both friends. Well, why don't I go to my one friend and say, hey, listen, here's your 20 bucks back. And then go to my other friend and say, hey, listen, man, uh, I'm going to have to pay you next week. Is that cool? But I'm going to get you your money next week. Now you only owe one guy. That might not have made sense. Because <laughs> maybe you're sitting there like, nah, like give me $10. Yeah, I'll take 10 Give me half. And then give me the other half next week. <laughs> maybe that's just my brain is like, nah, pay one completely. The other one I'll deal with. But I'd rather owe one person than owe two. So stop saying I'm going to. Like, you need a whole new offensive line, and you have the opportunity to get two, and you're going to just take one. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Take the two. Address your problem. Fix your line. Move on. Now you could say, all right, Daniel Jones, you have these two offensive linemen who are rookie short, so in year two, we'll figure something out. Um, I don't know what year Jones is. Is he up? He's probably got to be. He's probably in his fourth year. And that's what made me start thinking about, like, maybe we need to rethink the way we look at all this stuff. Because it's it's stupid. It's stupid. We keep we keep looking at the quarterback as if he's the end-all, be-all. But when the supporting cast around him is good and they do well, we say the quarterback, what a difference maker, blah, blah, blah. And then when the supporting cast stinks, we say, oh, man, the supporting cast sucks. That's why the quarterback can't win. It's like, well, then if I get better play, if I make my team better, why is the quarterback getting the credit for the team being better? What I don't under here's what I don't understand. What I don't understand In a situation like Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay had a really good roster. They had Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston ended up throwing, what, 30 interceptions? Like, if you're turning the ball over that much, you're going to lose games. They didn't lose games because the team's no good. And then Tom Brady came over, and now Tom Brady was so good that he elevated the rest of the roster. No. What he did was didn't turn the ball over. So if Jameis Winston plays for the Buccaneers and doesn't turn the ball over 30 times, they're going to win more games than they've lost, and they're probably going to end up 11-5, and 12-4. They're going to go and make a deep playoff run if he plays better. Now, you bring in Tom Brady. Tom Brady is exceptional, and that's what you needed. You needed someone that could do that and play well and not turn the ball over, and then the rest of the team, they can flourish because now they're not being... Set back by their stupid quarterback throwing a bunch of picks. I don't know. Is it? It can't just be me. I'm not the only one that sees it this way, right? You all see it. You all notice it. I can't be that crazy. Man, we touched on a lot today, huh? That's my time, y'all. Listen, man, we touched on a lot. We got to a lot of stuff. We talked about Zion. Don't talk to me about Zion no more. That's a that's a bust. Are we ready to call him a bust? I would say so. Because even if he comes back, he's never going to be as great as you thought he was. I just don't think he's going to be able to stay healthy. He's going to be another Anthony Davis. We talked about the Lakers. We talked about... Did we talk about the Lakers? Oh, we talked about Bron Pad stats. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I said it. He out there trying to get his numbers up so he can be in the GOAT conversation. Well, guess what? I, you already disqualified from the GOAT conversation because you are going after it too hard. I don't think Jordan was playing the game to be considered the GOAT. I think Jordan just believed he was. 
I think that's the difference. You chasing somebody, the GOAT wasn't chasing nobody. The GOAT was establishing the standard. That's why you're not the GOAT. We talked about uh, MLB. Listen, baseball, get your act together. Make an agreement. And if you don't have an agreement, just agree that we'll play under the current system just for a year while we work this out. Simple. Problem solved. There you go. We need baseball back. Well, we don't need baseball back. For the fans of baseball, bring baseball back. You're making billions of dollars. You're selling out stadiums. Come on now. Be smart. We got into the combine. Listen, guys, compete. Go to the combine and compete. You always have the pro day to fall back on. Don't run away from the competition. Kenny Pickett, I like you, bro. You're probably a cool dude. You went to the same high school as me. I love for you, brother. But listen, your draft stock is greatly inflated because the the guys coming out with you are kind of boo-boo. Listen, expectations are going to be high. And if you're a team drafting Kenny Pickett and you got high expectations because you drafted him in the top 10, that's on you. And you're going to be disappointed. What else must I say? Aaron Rodgers, uh, I'd trade you. <laughs> if it were me, if I was running the Packers, you'd be dealt. I'd be passing you off so fast you wouldn't even believe it. Giants, use your 5-7 and seven pick. Draft two of the best offensive linemen. Call it a day. You won the draft. You had the best draft of anybody out there. Pick up a receiver in the second or third round. Get you some defensive help late in the draft. Take some chances. But in 5-7, and seven, you improving that offensive line. You got the offensive line set for the next 10 years. Let's go. Come on. It makes sense. Hey, NFL, sports world, stop giving credit to one guy, and when the rest of the team sucks, not giving blame to that one guy, because if he was good enough to elevate everybody, then why can't he elevate bad players? Why can't he only elevate great players? That don't make no sense to me. Maybe he's not elevating them. Maybe the rest of the team is good, and that's why the team is winning, because you need a team. <laughs> it's a team sport. Hey, if you hating on Canelo for fighting b-ball, watch the fight. It's going to be entertaining. Now, he might lose. Who knows? You might get what you want. What else, man? Harden. Harden fans. Hey, Sixers. Sixer fans. I know you're excited. Temper it down. You're going to be disappointed. Six months from now? A year from now? Honeymoon's over. If he even resigns. Who knows? All right, that's it for real. I'm getting out of here now. Listen, I hope you guys had a good time. I know I was probably uh, talking a mile a minute in this episode. Right? Probably going crazy. But let me just say, uh, that's the beauty of uh, energy drinks. <laughs> you know, when you're recording it late, you know, you need to get the, you need to be on the juice. I'm on the sauce, y'all. Sometimes that gets me a little hype, a little hyped up, a little hyper. And then I start going and rant man returns. Look, I'm in the I'm in the I'm in the midst of a rant. My apologies again. Listen, I want to thank everybody for com- for joining me this week. Thank you, Cyber Family, for coming back. Listen. Uh, like, comment, uh, share it with a friend, pass it around, let everybody you know, listen to this. We having fun here. Listen, again, like I said last week, sports is all fun. Listen, we having fun with this. Don't take it too serious. Don't make it seem like, you know, curing diseases or whatever. We just talking about simple sports. If you if you knew if this was your first time, listen, I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you decide to come back next week. We're going to have some new stuff next week, some more fun. We're going to recap the combine. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do some mock draft stuff. We, I'm probably going to have another rant to go on about something else because I'm sure something's going to happen. I look forward to seeing you then. Have a good week. See you guys next time.